What's up, everybody? It is Doug Wagner from Films in Black and White, and we are about to reach a major milestone with our 100th episode. And we want to make sure that we can celebrate with you, but you need to follow us on social media in order to be able to do so. So head over to Facebook and Instagram at Films in Black and White and give us a follow. Also at Films in B underscore W over there on Twitter. We are going to make some major announcements. We're going to announce them there. So be sure to follow us in those spaces. Also, if you want to help us get to our 200th episode, please head over to patreon.com slash films in black and white and support us there. There are some great rewards for being a member of our Patty family, and it helps us do what we do on a weekly basis, and we much appreciate it. More importantly, we are so sincerely thankful and grateful for all the love and support you have given us over these past few years. And more importantly than that, on with the show feel like hbo max is just so well positioned to be like yeah like we got stuff for adults y'all uh, y'all adults out there wanting more from like a disney plus series yeah. come check out our stuff that will like actually challenge you you may far when ready podcast to give you a fresh perspective on movies comics and pop culture we aren't afraid to give you an honest take and won't pull any punches this is films in black and white welcome to films in black and white everybody how are you all Feeling happy you are joining us for again a magical Monday uh, filmed with films in black and white. We are happy you are all here. Um, it's a good day. It's a great day to pod. We're excited. We got some news to break down for y'all this week. Um, but in order to do this right, we got to make sure everybody is thoroughly welcomed and included right. and open up this space. So I'm going to kick it on over to a one Marcus J. Destin. Marcus, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, feeling great. Was just doing some, not really pre-pro, just talking to the guys about my X-Men <laughs> sinkhole. That I'm it was enough. Move. It was enough of pre-pro. X- yeah. X-Men sinkhole is a great way to describe it because I oh feel my like, gosh, that's perfect. I feel like you started off like, okay, I'll watch one of these to see if they still hold up and flash forward a week. You're like, I've watched all of them now twice. Like, like what the fuck happened? Exactly I, I feel like Marcus is going to get to me where I was with the Matrix of like, well, I'll maybe just watch Revolutions. No, I'm going to watch yeah. everything. And then like a week later, you're like, I've watched every X-Men. Ask me anything. <laughs> like X-Men, I think is one of those movies and universes where... um do you know anybody that can go like ask me anything it's like harry potter ask me anything about harry potter i'll know it do you know anybody that could do that that does that with x-men to be like ask me anything about the x-men universe to be honest i think chris Schultz could probably do it i was mm. gonna mention stephanie williams would would probably give us a good that's, run for our money okay. that's stephanie, true two stephanie good and chris would be that's good. Two good people you know what would be kind of fun and i don't it would be kind of fun. I kind of want to like see if there's a way we could do a game show, like maybe just like, like for five <laughs> minutes where yeah. we get like user submitted questions about X-Men and just see who can pop that shit off. We should do it on a Patreon. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd we be fun. We should yeah, look we should into that. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> to answer the we question, I'm doing good. Uh, I realized <laughs> last week after we got done with the pod that we're about 
four episodes away from our 100th episode. What? What? 100. I immediately hit the group chat like, y'all, what the fuck? We are 100 yeah, episodes it's away. It's true. He did it. I have yeah. the text. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's pretty incredible. It's I'm like wild. shocked. When you said that, I was like, no, like that's that doesn't sound right. I but, counted each. Ep- it gets kind of hard because at a certain point we stopped doing episode numbers. So yes. after that, I we had to go physically. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It's it's normal to evolve. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. We got to 30 shit. I don't know. It was like 30. I, I was like, eh, I think it's 100. <laughs> We're like, four. so that's when they're like, how many episodes? I'm like. It's either four or six. That's really fun. But I did not know that at all. It's four, yeah. So we're close. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Thanks we're for doing the math. We're doing on that something there, special, y'all. We're doing something special for the hundredth episode. So we are. We are going to do something lock special. In your that's right. Um, but also, we got to make sure the the third heat is in this. Damn right. And so we're going to kick it on down to one Brian Roush. Brian Roush, how you feeling? You know, I'm feeling great. Uh, it's good to be here with my guys talking yeah. about movies and comics and TV right. shows. And like, I, it just, it feels good to be here. I get fired up talking about X-Men, especially the X-Men movies. Right. Marcus and I were talking about the, the first <laughs> <And> class <laughs> folks, uh, those movies. And yeah. I was like, I'm getting energy from this. Like, yeah, like I, 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 I got three kids. Like I'm usually not baseline tired but then marcus is like hey hey emma frost and it's like yeah, i have thoughts about this yeah so it's uh it's good it's good to be here i'm trying to see what good. time i hit the chat last night brian and and oh my god me and brian were texting about had like a midnight i woke messenger. up to like 37 <laughs> messages and i went what happened <laughs> <laughs> genuinely I, went, I had finished x-men united and and once again that goddamn sinkhole i had so <laughs> yep. many issues with this movie but, wait united or last stand oh last stand i'm sorry okay. it was last stand it was last stand and uh, I had so at many- 10 i'm looking i'm looking at the info here at 10 58 it looks like you were yeah. chatting me about like how they just offed cyclops and I was really upset about it. <laughs> continue the show, or I will okay. go down. And go, okay, I will continue the show. Please. Um, I'm excited to be here as well. It was a good weekend. We like straight up cleaned our house, like top oh, to bottom, um, That's because awesome. we had not had a chance to do that because we had been traveling and we had been busy. So our Christmas shit was still up until Saturday. Oh, so oh, my Christmas stuff we, is still up too. You're in good company. So we took that all down. Um, we did a really deep, deep clean. Nice. Um, and we're going to continue that trend into this next weekend. But it was good. It was nice. I feel like the f- space is fresh and I can focus. And I'm not distracted yep. by like looking yep. over at that and going like, I got to take that down. Like, I just, oh, man, I, I got to, I, I feel good like, about it. It wasn't like a forced clean, though, right? It wasn't like a. Oh, no, this was like a, this was a group effort. Okay. This was like, oh, we have to get this how done. Did, how does this work with two kids, with two younger kids? Because usually in like, when it's a, a forced cleanup is my mom starts playing gospel music. And all you smell is bleach and fabuloso in the air. And that means get your ass up. Right. So like, what does that look like with like two kids? So two power? kid, so two kids, a group clean is um, y'all go downstairs and you just, you just fuck that place up because up here we are going to clean. Like yep. that's, what's going to happen up here. Sacrifices like need to be made. I, I, I don't care. And you essentially do the dad thing, and mom actually signs on board to this. You do the listen, 
And so Brittany will be like, they're playing downstairs. Are they okay? I said, I don't hear any crying. Keep working. Yep. Like that's yep. just <laughs> yep. basically how it works. Like I don't hear any yelling. So yep. Just keep this shit moving. So that's kind of how it works. Brian, um, same for you, Brian. Uh, I don't know what it is, but He's my kids, pretty. like they feel left out if we do that. And so sometimes mm -hmm. it works, but mm -hmm. my two-year-old will be like, I help. Harper's I help. the same way. And yep. he will grab a Swiffer and we actually got Ooh. him a, a Swiffer and we oh, like nice. took it out. So it was his size. So he now has a Swiffer. And whenever I do stuff in the kitchen, he's like, Oh, going to help. And like, he toddles on over to get his Swiffer and he starts Swiffering. The problem is though, is like when you're like, well, I have to do this more complicated thing. You just stay there. And they're like, I can do that. And it's like, no, you're too. No, you like, you can't bleach no, the I, I have dishwasher. To repair a hole in the ceiling right now. You can't. I, for me, it was clean the oven. So I cleaned our oven oh. like top to bottom. So when I say we did a deep clean, oh. I went inside Sir, of my oven. And you were, you're it. not playing around. No. But do, do, does your oven have a self clean? I just realized it's like five years ago that there was a self cleaning <laughs> option for the oven where it basically just broils and bakes itself and cooks everything inside or burns everything, I guess. I got the spray like that you spray oh. on the inside and like wiped all of it oh, out. Sorry. But it was one of those moments where we had to like really direct Harper in particular because she's the almost three-year-old who's like, yep. I help like, and nope, not here. Not no, now. No, um, don't go in the oven. Yep. Don't, don't you go in the <laughs> I oven. I know y'all slept good. I yeah. know oh, I it was amazing. But gentlemen, we have show to get to and we have things to cover. And so we are actually going to kick it on off with our catch that quotable I'm ready. submitted by uh, Roman Myers. Uh, so <gasps> thank you, Roman, a uh, Patreon subscriber for oh, this thank you, Roman. Um, Marcus <laughs> doesn't know Roman, but is booing him immediately for some reason. Sorry, Sorry Roman. I thought so, I had a cheer button on here. Um, I was wondering about that. I was like, yeah. are those boos? Like, what's boo happening here? Are you saying boo or boo earns? Oh, um, we love you. Boo, boo love Roman. You, boo. Um, but this is what, I so here's work. our quote for this week. Okay. <laughs> are you all ready? Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm focused your quote, in. Your quote is, oh, I don't think I'm a lot dumber than you think that I thought that I thought I once was. Woof. Okay. <clears throat> this one's tough. Okay. Oh, I don't think I'm a lot dumber than you think that I thought that I thought I was once. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's the quote. Dang, so, gentlemen, I can't place this at all. Like, I have, yeah, I have no that. idea. I feel like it's from a classic comedy. It just kind of has that vibe of it. Um, but man, I cannot place this at all. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna buzz in. I'm gonna okay. lock in. I'm gonna say this is Dumb and Dumber. I feel okay. like that's right. I feel okay. like I was thinking like a Will Ferrell type of quote or okay. something. Oh, oh I immediately pictured Jim Carrey with this. Yeah. Oh, fair. Okay. So I, I'm gonna guess that this is a. I think this is a Mel Brooks movie. So I'm gonna go with Blazing Saddles. Very specific. Um, okay. I'm gonna go Will Ferrell. The other guys, I don't know. Okay, that was also your guest last week, so I'm very. Excited I was just about to say, wasn't that last week? I'm very excited. Okay, Doug this is. Doug, tell them what you're doing. You're Doug I am. I, I am googling the answer so that way <laughs> we, we have it. Um, it's good. It's good for the audio format when we all yeah. go silent <laughs> waiting for Doug. You know, gentlemen, we are all wrong. What is um, this? This is a comedy. 
yeah. It is said by Ben Stiller. Oh, character by Ben Stiller. Is it the model one? Is it Zoolander? It is not Zoolander. It is oh. Dodgeball, a true uh, underdog story. Duh. duh. That's yep. a great movie. That's a great quote. Shout out to Roman. That's a fantastic quote. I can quote. see this clearly now. Good That's quote, weird. Roman. Very, very good quote. I was genuinely um, not really surprised, like not surprised, but just like when I saw it, I was like, damn it. That's it. Yeah. No one makes me bleed my own blood. That's, that's yep. exactly oh what it is. I'm, I'm hearing it in his voice, too. Right. Uh -huh. oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, I don't think. Like, just kind of like that yeah. deep, deep voice. That's um, a good movie, though. Underrated movie, I think, in my opinion. My oh, my gosh. Opinion. I don't think I enough go back to talk about that movie. I'm actually shocked they didn't make a sequel, to be completely honest. Like, when that yeah. movie came out, like, something was in the water. And, it like, ESPN started hosting Dodgeball stuff. And, like, mm -hmm. it stuck around for, like, a year after the movie. Like, oh, yeah, I was, was shocked. I'm glad that they didn't. I feel like they made this movie for fun and didn't think it was going to be as successful as they thought it was going to be like, they was like, yeah. Oh, this is a good movie. It's a solid right. comedy, but I don't think they expected the, the, the trends that it set off. No, it, it definitely went like off. And I remember like all around our college, Brian, I feel like they started doing a lot more like intramural dodgeball tournaments. hundred oh, like, percent. They did based yeah. on the popularity. That there movie. were small leagues that would like pop up in some like mid-sized cities. Like it was just kind of everywhere, like all at once. I don't so. know. And looking back at it, like it honestly just kind of feels you're right. It does kind of have this for fun vibe where like mm -hmm. Ben Stiller can be weird. Vince Vaughn can phone it in, which right. honestly, yeah. he's, I think he's some of the movies he just wanted to do that. And I don't blame him. Sometimes yeah. sometimes you're tired and you just it's want a true. paycheck. I get it. It's true. Um, yeah. And it just I don't know. Everybody looked like they were having fun in that movie. I don't uh, they know. really did. And I my fun story is I've met the guy who played Steve the Pirate. So that's my fun. That's my Have fun. You really? Story. Yeah. So when I was in between uh, high school and college, um, a friend of mine and I went to New York City for like a his parents like took us on a trip. Like that's kind of what we did, which is kind of which was fun. Um, and so we saw the move. We saw the musical Spam a lot, which for those that don't know, yep. the musical that's based off of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it's very funny and it was very well done. Well, Tim Curry was in that. Um, the guy who played uh, oh. Frazier Crane's brother was in that. So the guy who played Nigel Crane was in that. Oh, my and then, gosh. And then Steve the Pirate was in it. And so. Afterward, oh, my gosh. And so they came out afterward and they said hello. And we met him. And I didn't put two and two together until someone said, can you give us a yar? And he did it. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, and so man. that's my fun. That's my that's fun. Steve good. the Pirate story. Um, wow. Gentlemen. That's a good story. That was a good story. There's what? spam a lot. I just saw on TikTok that there's a spamilton. A spamilton? Yeah, I did not know anything like a about spam spamilton. Of Hamilton. Okay. Or a spoof of Hamilton, some type of play or something like that. Okay. I literally saw it today and was like, I don't know. I, is that a? Th I don't know. Is that a I thing? Didn't know. I don't know yeah. anything about it. I just, I just saw it. That was just interesting connection there. But my bad. Okay. No, you're fine. Um, definitely interesting. Um, but there you go. There you have it. Um, gentlemen, this week, last yeah. week, rather, you all asked me to do a little bit of digging on Marvel's character Moon Knight because Please. the trailer had just dropped. Hold on, let me cue the graphic. Yeah, give us the graphic. 
Oh, Ooh, yeah. So this is a new yeah. segment that we are calling Obscure uh, with Douglas. And that would be me. And, um, and, and so you got to get the Patreon, by the way, to see that excellent graphic that just very, up. very true. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of information on Marvel's Moon Knight. Uh, so that way you can kind of feel a little bit more educated as we dive into this particular character. So, um, so Moon Knight, uh, a.k.a. Mark Spector. It first appeared in Werewolf by Night number 32. Um, and the reason why that I the reason why I show you this is because if you remember the trailer um, and I did a short little video about this. If you remember the trailer, you look at that screenshot like where it's in the bathroom. It looks like Moon Knight is beating the piss out of what looks to be like a werewolf, which could, in fact, be a callback to his first to his origin story and so essentially for this like particular subject it's mark specter he's playing a mercenary who's been charged with bringing the bringing the werewolf in it's hard apparently the werewolf is like a like a hero slash villain slash like we feel bad for the he's, guy who's we feel bad for the guy who is is the guy but we don't feel bad for the werewolf um but essentially moon knight is equipped with a bunch of silver stuff so he just ends up basically beating this werewolf to death or close to it um so anyway he saved the day he yeah. saved he saved the day um so, right <laughs> right so moon knight has disassociative identity disorder or commonly known as multiple personality disorder um and technically there are five distinct personalities that exist within this one person um moon knight which is the spirit of kenoshu um mark specter Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley. So if you remember from again, I'm doing a lot of callbacks to the trailer. If you remember, Oscar Isaac says, I don't when he picks up the phone, he says, I don't know why you're calling me Mark. And when he's in the, the museum doing some work, she says, like, you're the worst, Steve. And he goes, no, it's it's Stephen. Um, and so he's obviously when he's in that role, he's playing Stephen. And obviously when he's in the Moon Knight form, he's playing somebody else. So it'll be interesting to see how those come out in the show. Each one of them kind of has their own talent. So I suppose the the main individual is Mark Spector. Um, and in his origin story, which was Moon Knight number one, which debuted in November 1st, 1980. Um, he's a mercenary that's working with the villain Bushmaster. They're in Sudan. And essentially, they're just in Sudan causing a ruckus. And Bushmaster sees this small town. He basically says, like, this looks like a great place for us to, like, rob, like, rape, lie, like, cheat, like, basically destroy the town for no real reason. Oh. In the town, there is an ancient Egypt researcher and his daughter. The ancient Egypt researcher comes out, tries to prevent, tries to basically assassinate Bushmaster. Mark Spector steps in, prevents him from doing it. And then either way, the researcher gets killed. But what you don't know is Mark actually tried to save him. Daughter comes out, says, oh, my God, you killed my dad. He's like, yep, you're right. I did get out of here before they kill you. So essentially lying to her. So that way she'll leave the town. Um, Bushmaster finds out that he tried to stop Bushmaster from killing uh, the researcher, sends him out into the desert, says, good luck walking out there. You'll eventually die. Um, long story short, he basically goes to near death. The daughter's like research assistants and her find him, bring him into this tomb, which is a tomb honoring the spirit of Kenoshu. And 
essentially just like the, the way it plays in the panels for this origin story is he just like wakes up and he's like, she's like, oh my God, I thought you were dead. He points to the statue, goes, no more than that guy's dead. Give me that cape, like puts on a cape and then goes back <laughs> to the town to try to beat up um to, to kill bushmaster long story short bushmaster gets away again I love november comics. Fir- november 1st 1980 um so the kind november 1st 1980 just keep that in the back of your mind um what's kind of interesting about moon knight is his powers wax and wane along with the cycles of the moon. So it's in a full moon. It's stronger when it's not in a full moon. He's a little bit weaker. Um, He predominantly uses weapons that were given to him by the Egyptian God. Um, What's also kind of cool is each one of his identities had a particular like skill set that helped advance the character. So for example, Stephen Grant is the money guy and was able to amass a mass amount of wealth so that way mark could afford all the gadgets um so they had a helicopter oh. and mark can afford afford to turn it from a helicopter into a like a flying crescent moon basically so he has like <laughs> a moon night copter basically he's really um, with the moon theme here huh? yeah he's oh he is deep into he's, this moon he's committed theme. like he, he is he clearly bought a bunch of moons yeah. like Gentlemen, merchandise he, and he's he like is, oh i gotta get rid of these batman level committed in, in <laughs> he this. must he must love he's so the only that's one how they explain how he has all these resources basically mm-hmm. yep yep yeah. The other huh. thing is, is Jake Lockley is a taxi cab driver who keeps his ear to the streets about what's going on. And so essentially gives Moon Knight. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you, this is how it was written. Why um, would that be a boo? Who the fuck writes a character just to be the ear to the streets? It's one of his identities. Um Oh, and apparently the daughter was of the researcher was so impressed with his ability to save her life that she just starts living with him is basically how it goes as you do as as one does as anyone who is thoroughly impressed as one does november 1st 1980 (laughs) um male comic book logic i can't um so moon knight's a really cool character um he has a bunch of really cool storylines he's fought alongside spider-man he's fought alongside um punisher before um he was a member of the west coast avengers for a hot second so he's kind of been just about everywhere um so it's kind of interesting to see him come out so ladies and gentlemen that is moon knight so real quick question yes before we move on so is he the way the way i'm like getting the vibe of this character because i've only seen him show up once in any of the media that i watch and that yeah. was a children's spider-man cartoon by the way <laughs> so imagine my surprise when he's like i'm mark specter i'm here to help and i was like what i know oh, about moon knight is this man will beat somebody to death what is he doing in my kid's cartoon yeah. in any case yeah is he just are most of his antagonists or is like he trying to like tackle more of the supernatural stuff like the werewolf stuff or is it just like nah he's just fighting crime wherever it is it makes it seem like he's just kind of fighting crime wherever he is okay. they did a reboot like they did another like really great storyline for moon knight i think in 20 either between 2016 and 2018 i don't remember yeah. um, but he goes head to head with taskmaster um okay and so he he's kind of one of those unique folks where he can kind of bridge the gap between the spiritual world and the and the like the the physical world so he can deal with ghosts but most of the times when they've dealt with him uh when they've dealt with ghosts it's somebody pretending to be a ghost so (laughs) 
Scooby doing it. Scooby- okay. Basic, basically. Um, he is very violent. Can you imagine like, somebody walking in with a sheet and then somebody beating the dog shit out of you because you yeah. walk in with a sheet? He he kind of <laughs> takes the same approach that Punisher takes, which is I'm just I'm gonna I mean in the comic book reboot that I'm talking about, this 2016 or 2018 yeah. one, um, Taskmaster is actually scared of him. Like and so, which is pretty impressive because given his abilities, he doesn't usually get scared. So, um, huh. but yeah, definitely an interesting character to take a look it at. Is interesting, but thank you for diving deeper into that obscure character, Douglas. I'm happy to do it. I'm and interested to, close... to see how Disney will bring this character mm-hmm. to the screen and yes. handle a character with multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah, something so supernatural. Like I know they're going. It feels like he's more around blade um the black knight daredevil like that street level kind of like you know Mm -hmm. type stuff but i don't know it'd be it could be interesting to see i've also seen there are some links to blade and moon knight i didn't really get into those in sort of my deep dive i focused more on like the first introduction like origin story stuff um so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out but my guess is that's probably the angle um, that they're going to go with it. Is to use that as if you can introduce a werewolf, you can easily introduce a vampire and bring in. You blade. absolutely can. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a uh, moon Knight. but I am here gentlemen to close out my segment before we transition over to news to yes. spin the wheel of obscure, of obscure Marvel characters yes. Um, yes. to see who we have today. So if you will indulge me for just a moment, only um, a moment, our- Doug, so our characters are Abyss. Some of them are for the same before because we keep them okay, on until oh, yeah. they get taken off. Um, Abyss, The Brood, Malice, Doc mm. Samson, Guardian, Quasar, Legion, and Mojo are our characters. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen. Let's do it. We are going to spin the wheel share. of obscure characters. So show me that wheel, here baby. We go. That's a fun little. I see the wheel too. It's going. The Brood and Kazar both on red. This and the Brood. All right. All right, gentlemen. (laughs) This week, I am going to dive into the Marvel character Abyss, and we will see how that shakes out, and I will report back for another segment of Obscure. This that next week recording on I Abyss. I know nothing. I know nothing about yeah, Abyss. No, I was just about to chime it. in, and I was like, "He was in Marvel versus Capcom too." And then I was like, "Nah, that's Nightmare. That's that's a totally <laughs> different thing." So I'm very excited to hear oh, about really? Abyss. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not going to look anything up until Doug. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, until Doug. Until Doug. Yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen. We have some news to get into, and I am going to kick it on over to uh, Marcus J. Destin to get after and report on some interesting news relating streaming numbers this week. Tell me, Marcus. What the hell was I supposed to be talking about on here? Uh, Streaming numbers. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't really want to talk about that anymore. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's get into it. I'll make it interesting. I'll help. Okay, so basically... um, uh, they put out their top streaming numbers in three different categories of 2021. And the three different categories are going to be um, top 15 streaming program, original programming. Um, oh it's going to be your top 15 streaming movies and oh then God. your top 15 streaming uh, programs acquired, which I believe is just 
not original content acquired by streaming and where where is this coming from this is from ooh starts with a d i forgot actually i forgot um it's an article place okay uh-huh. starts with a d i forgot but we'll Can't get help to you it. yes not worried about it comicbook.com is where i got the link from cool. but they pulled i'll it look it up from, while you keep reporting um, another another website so Here's what we got. Uh, Brian put me on the spot. I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, it's <laughs> okay. Not no, me it's, too. it's really okay. So we're going to start with um, what, what what really pulled me to this was Disney Plus only had one show that was in the top 10 when it came to streaming. Okay. Hmm. So Disney okay. only had one show that was in the top 10 when it came to streaming. But I'm going to start with your top fit, your top 10 streaming programs. Number 1 was Lucifer, which I thought That's was fascinating. Really interesting. Um yeah. because Lucifer, they had to people petitioned for this show to come back to finish up their series finale on Netflix. Um they were only right. supposed to do I think one season and then after they got canceled on TV they came to Netflix, was only supposed to do one season and then petitioned and got another, and it became your number one streaming show. So you got Lucifer wow. at number one on Netflix, and it had 18,342 persons watch oh or stream this show. Um, Squid Game obviously was a yep. phenomenon. I mean, shifted yeah. things a lot. Yeah, yeah, like that's that is ingrained in who we are as a collective people now. <laughs> Whether we like it or <laughs> what Whether we want it to be or not. Now. Right. But that had um, 16,432. The Great British Baking Show was third. Virgin River. Bridgerton um, is actually at number five, which I've, I've watched that. Which I'm impressed. With Me only too. eight episodes. With only eight yeah. episodes. Um, you was actually at number six. Cobra Kai, The Crown, Longmire, and then Handmaid's Tale on um, Hulu um, with 8,000. 564 being the lowest. When you go over to streaming movies, Disney Plus um, had Luca 2021, Moana, Ryan the Last Dragon, Frozen 2, and then you get Red Notice on Netflix, Frozen, Soul, Cruella, Mitchell versus the Machines, and Jungle Cruise. Now, gentlemen, tell me what's interesting about this list. A thousand wow. of those frozen two views are come from the Wagner children. I just want everyone to be aware that they're responsible for that. Um, so congratulations. We're, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll take our check whenever you have it. Um, uh, well, I mean, what's interesting is that like some of this, some of the streaming content yes. isn't necessarily of the top 10. Mm-hmm. As I look at it, really, there was only one that was a disney plus exclusive yep yep and that's luca and that's luca so if you look at it moana brian the last dragon was supposed to be released in the theater yeah luca was supposed to be released in the theater Mm -hmm. uh i mean the rest of these but soul is the other exception because soul and luca were both because they were back to back like december and january or december and february like back to back going straight to um disney plus releases um that's it's surprising everybody really did lose their minds over red notice they they really did yeah like that is the fifth most streamed movie of 2021 and it released in november of 2021 so much that's so for those that can't see red notice has 5528 luca has 10592 yeah. People like Red Notice so much, and the company believed in it so much. They're shooting their sequels back to back. 
Oh my god! Right as we speak, and the sequel seems to be starring Gal Gadot. It'll be a three-person Gal Gadot, The Rock, and Ryan Reynolds. Um, I want to go to this last one. Top fifteen streaming programs acquired. Number one, Criminal Minds. Um, oh okay. Number two, Coco Melon. So Criminal Minds has thirty-three thousand eight hundred sixty-five. Coco okay. Melon has three thirty-three thousand two hundred and seventy-eight. Of Jesus. course, Grey's Anatomy is on this list. NCIS. Heartland at number five, six Manifest, seven Supernatural, eight Shicks Creek, nine Gilmore Girls. I don't know if that's the original or the reboot. Um, well, I, th- then, I, I, think, I it's think it's all the same now. Oh, I think it, it is all the same. I think it is all the same. And I think it would, yeah, it would have to include both. And by the way, just to clarify for folks listening at home, the numbers that, that Marcus is talking about, that's in the millions, by the way, yeah. of people watching more than two minutes Sorry. of the yeah. of the property, too. So 33 million. 33 million, not yeah. 2000. And this came from Deadline. I finally remember what okay. the DMD Perfect. Awesome. Deadline. Um, and then at number 10 is New Girl. Um, I want to go back up here because I want to show Black Widow at 11, 4,410,000 on your top 15 streaming movies. And that was in theaters, too. So I think that that provides us some very interesting (laughs) insight into why, into some of the decision making at at various places. Like, I mean, Netflix is dominating, like like tv series like in in both of those numbers both the original content and even like acquired content acquired content one through 11 is owned by netflix like uh, i mean via, I, via I, netflix rather i feel like that's really important for us to highlight because i know that yeah. we've talked about previously like i barely turn on netflix or this that and the other and everybody else does <laughs> i mean i, I, somebody, I think somebody's like, watching it you look, but you look at these numbers and like, let's just start criminal minds is it yeah. for, according to Nielsen here through the deadline article it is, is the most streamed uh-huh. acquired TV show, which is a, it's a CBS procedural for Pete's sake. Like this is, yeah. this is comfort viewing. This show is finest here, which is, I think what Netflix is good for. Like, yeah, yeah. Netflix is going to have those shows that it's like kind of like when I used to go to my aunt and uncle's house, and they would have Jag on, and it would be a marathon oh, of Jag. Oh my gosh! And the no amount of Jag I watched TV. as a child, like it's the same thing. Soap operas. Nobody's really watching the soap operas, right. but they're it's on. like Law and Order, but not. Yes, kind of like NCIS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, shit. That's that's pretty impressive. And I think the other thing is, it's like I think for some of these movies that had dual releases, like your Black Widows. Like things like that. I mean, it's pretty clear. You had four million people that mm-hmm. didn't go to a theater. Granted, obviously, you know, safe they maybe took safety in, so maybe that's not all of it, but like still that's four million people that um didn't go to a theater. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bread. Well, thanks, to leave thanks. I want to thank Brian for being correct in the information that it this is from Nielsen. Oh, from deadline, and it's in the millions because that's super important. Oh, absolutely. It is. And I don't want to undershoot what the fuck we're trying to say here because if you really look at these numbers the top 15 streaming movies in 2021 these are 10 million 592 people watched fucking luca again a, th- a million of those is from the will from the way well, also like to your credit marcus luca i don't too. like how they made this graphic like no, this is I this is not how i would like do this either. graphic it's at terrible. all like no. But so that is not on you, man. Like, make a better graphic. Um, the Snyder Cut is also not up here. 
I, no, it is. Well, also, HBO is nowhere to yeah, be HBO found. Is nowhere to HBO Max is, and I find that hard to believe, but I feel like that's because it came halfway through the year before it started picking up. I'll be interested to see this time I mean, next year where HBO Max stands. I don't yes. think HBO Max has a subscriber base to meet Disney Plus and Netflix right now to even like yeah, get these numbers yeah, is where I think it might that might be the source of it. I also think that's one of the drawbacks of measuring streaming stuff like Sky this TVs. because it, like it, you, you have a barrier to get viewership. And I know we used to with the regular Nielsen stuff, but like mm -hmm. it was either you had cable or you didn't. It was yep. like one of the two. Now it's like, well, you oh, OK, you got to be on a certain platform. So, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And I don't know. The only other thing I just want to speak to this that I find fascinating is like, I think it's the movies for me. I think mm -hmm. the movies for me stand out the most because like I didn't hear anybody else talk about Luca, but according to this chart, it is the most streamed movie. Mm -mm. So we all yeah. watched it and then we all just kind of went, OK, I just I think that's weird. Um, and Brian, Ryan, we did a dragon. We did a bonus episode on Luca. We did. You did, did. They did which is so. which is crazy to think about that. We did an episode about a movie that for you and I, at the very least, was sort of like cool, like, yep. <laughs> but yep. 10 million other people thought not so much. The other thing that could be interesting is that, like, if I think about the nature of like work in the nature of like where we are as a country with like remote working, it's very possible that with how many kids were outside of school, uh, uh, that uh, these not this is the uh, reason why the eleven of these are all kids movies. I mean, honestly, there's no. Uh, what is the other reason? For like, I don't know. Being but... up there. Yeah, I mean, I mean let, let's. I mean, if we, well, where the fuck is the list? Like, dad, dad has cool. dad has a meeting. Watch Luca again. Yeah. Frozen two, Frozen two is a hit. I would like to see it. This based off of when they released two, because Frozen oh, sure. four. But yeah, <laughs> no, but you're right because Coco's up there too. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Doug, oh, I agree. Was... I think you're onto something here. Yeah, huh. I think I think what happened is parents didn't know what to do. Kids had an increased screen time because they were working from home, and so they would you know work on a lesson with their kids while they could maybe for school while the school was remote and then they pivoted over to doing their work and there was like i don't know what else to do here's moana you like moana moving on i mean honestly that makes red notice being that far being number five like oh. even more impressive because then you're yeah. competing with the meeting Children. movies i don't know how we're gonna how we're Me gonna the home the home the work at home I like, the, movies. I, I like i like meeting movies that makes it very <laughs> that that is like so on the nose that I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> I mean, reading movies. These numbers are fascinating. I'm really yeah. happy you brought these, Marcus. Oh, yeah, these are um, these are very interesting. This is great to start off with. I'm gonna do my thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Brian, you also have an interesting piece of news. However, it's pivoting on over to some news out of Lucasfilm. So, what do you have for us this week? Hey, y'all, it's me, Brian Rauchy, resident Star Wars fan. And one of the things that came up last week was that quietly Paramount is now in production of the young adult book series called Children of Blood and Bone. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it's a young adult fantasy story um, that is very popular. Definitely check out the books, read a book. Um, and Lucasfilm had optioned 
to make this series uh, a bunch of movies, essentially. Well, at least okay. make the first book a movie hmm. uh, way back. I shouldn't say way back, but in 2019. It feels like a long time ago. And uh, what happened was news broke that Paramount was now making Children of Blood and Bone, and people were like, wait, what? Like, Lucasfilm, right. Disney has the rights to this. Mm-hmm. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, Disney let the rights lapse. They didn't do anything with them. Oh, and okay. there was a quiet bidding war a few months ago and Paramount picked it up. So a lot of people are now speculating that Children of Blood and Bone is going to be either a movie directly to Paramount Plus or it's going to be going to theaters. Uh, and that's new. That okay. That's new because Lucasfilm was a, basically when they went to Disney Plus, they're like, we're going to have all these other projects going on. Now it seems very... Uh, it, it, I don't see any other way to look at it. They're just going to focus on pre-existing properties, which I, is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say that I'm surprised. Star Wars is, it is a rancor of a franchise. I get only wanting to focus on just Star Wars. <laughs> I know what a rancor is. A rancor of a franchise. Is. It is a rancor yeah, of a franchise. Uh, and Indiana Jones and like Willow. So that's interesting. They're not going to be branching out. Lucasfilm is just going to be focusing on those existing properties. So is that, uh, I'm really excited for unwillingly. What do you say? Is that Disney saying, no, y'all just focus on this? Or is that Lucasfilm saying, no, we'll just focus on this? I don't know. I mean, to the the my read on it is that I think I think there was interest in making Children of Blood and Bone and having Lucasfilm be like, this is going to be our next generation fantasy series, Um, which I which I was really supportive of um, the the, I I think there's a lot of good things happening in Blood and Bone. I think Um, there's a and however, it feels like Disney being like, look, Lucasfilm, you do the Star Wars stuff. That's what you do. Marvel, you do yeah. the comic book movie stuff. That's what you do. Yeah. And I understand why they would why they think they would find success in that way. So it feels yeah. like a Disney thing. It doesn't feel as much of a Lucasfilm thing. Yeah. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, there were rumors though that the the book's author Eddie Yimmies, uh, I think I'm saying this right, and if I'm not, feel free to correct me on Twitter or wherever you comment on our stuff. That she wanted to do the screenplay, and Lucasfilm was like, no, and she based that they got into this basically this conflict, and they couldn't move forward either way. So then Paramount basically said, yeah, you can write the screenplay. So I think that was also part of it. That's the rumor um, that she could have a little bit more creative influence um, with the screenplay. uh, And it might be a better fit. I I, I don't know. Um, So just Lucasfilm giving you more Star Wars. Get excited. That's I have a request. Yes. What's that? Lucasfilm. If you want to make a damn movie or Paramount Plus. I don't really give a damn. Somebody. I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. But ever since I was a kid, okay? I love this presentation. Maximum Ride. I don't know if you ever have read. Have you ever read? I have never even heard of Maximum Ride. James Patterson. James Patterson wrote oh, man. I've read so many of his books. Book series. James Patterson is a beast. And I pray there's certain white people that I like that I hope that they're not racist. And it's like, <laughs> man, I really <laughs> like this white person. <laughs> that's a thought that currently flows through my head. That's oh, man, the best thought I've ever heard. James Patterson, like, feel free to come on the podcast. We can talk to you about it. Yeah. The, as the, long the, as you're not racist. You're not racist. Um, so 
Maximum Ride. I'm really surprised, Brian, you haven't read the series. I feel I like you would like it. Um, it's literally about these seven kids who were experimented on, um, and oh they God. all have wings. Yes. They all have wings and they fly <laughs> and each of them have different abilities with their wings and they're on the run from the labs and they're trying to figure out who the fuck they are. And I'm so surprised that I think they attempted to do a TV show once or something huh. and it kind of fell through or something. But I'm so surprised nobody has attempted to do the Maximum Ride series. I would pay an arm and a pinky toe for a Maximum Ride series done right. Because I feel like you can get you at least seven movies. I mean, I think there's like 13 books or something like that. It's a good heavy run. But please, somebody, Paramount. And Paramount, I said that to say this as well. Paramount's, Paramount's done pretty well with their movies from what yeah. I've seen, their original stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not like I'm going to sleep on them completely. I do think that they are going to go straight to Paramount because they are trying to pull people to that streaming service. I think Clifford the Red Dog yep. is on that still. And I still have not seen it because I'm not paying for it. So, I mean, do with that information what you will. Yeah. yeah. that's that, And I'm also genuinely surprised. I mean, Disney's always looking for new revenue streams and young adult stuff seems to be like on the cutting edge. So I'm genuinely surprised that they would let it just lapse. So it'll be interesting to hear more about that as that sort of comes out. So, um, well, good news, Brian. Yeah. I I think the only other thing that I wanted to, to, to say about this too, is I know that there were some folks that were like, really, it's just going to be star Wars. And it's like, Man, do you know how much Star Wars stuff there is now? Like you in bought production? out Black Crescenton. Like, like that's that's the depth <laughs> of this that you went to. I mean, so like I get it. They have a lot on their plate, but like I just find it fascinating because like Children of Blood and Bone, if you haven't checked it out, like read a summary. The the author is inspired by like Avatar The Last Airbender. Um oh, okay. and All right. uh, like I don't know. I would assume you would want a new fantasy franchise series to bring in new people uh, because Star Wars is just starting to feel like a legacy series at this point. That's true. Uh, But I mean, you can write a Star Wars. You can write two movies playing Star Wars dice and still get a good movie like in a back alley. It's true. Lightsaber, lightsaber die. But it's there's, I feel like there's still a lot of story to tell with Star Wars, but also we yes. need something new. And so you're not just yeah. constantly retelling the old, because what they, it felt like what Star Wars tried to do in the late, in the last of the last trilogy was try to move on from the Skywalker name so that they yep. could start maybe telling new stories under Star right. Wars, not having yep. to rely on that, right? Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's hard because people like what they like. For so. sure. Yes, especially Star Wars fans like what they like. Some Star Wars fans, not everybody, obviously. Um, so I'm gonna Star Trek, and I feel like people should stop sleeping on that too. That's very true. Star Trek has four shows coming out this year. Yeah, they do. Oh my god! If you're a Star Trek fan, you're eating well. I really do need Paramount because Paramount is holding on to Star Trek like they're holding on to Disney got Star Wars. Yeah, the last meal, like just (laughs) like a sharpened spoon. Like, don't you look at my bread? I don't even think it's like that though. They got Picard. They got everything from Picard to a cartoon show. Yeah, um, to discover to Star Trek. Is that that cartoon show called Below Deck? Uh huh. Okay. Well, heard about that. Fun fact: There's a second one. So there's Below Decks, and then there's like. 
another one with there's another animated one with Janeway from Star Trek Voyager, oh, but it's like a Nickelodeon show. Oh, okay. What it feels like is they saw the success of like Star Wars Mandalorian and they're like, okay, okay. And then they're like, we're going to do all, all the quadrants. It's going to appeal to everybody. You got yeah. the card for your grizzly older yeah. people. You got lower yeah. deck. Like, yeah. that's what it feels like. That's, right. I, that's exactly right. That that's a smart exactly move. Right. Um, well, gentlemen, for my first piece of news, I'm going to take us uh, on a very hard right. Um, and yeah. I, or, or a hard left. I'm not really quite sure anymore. Um, because mm-hmm. I Is want America to talk, great again, right? Or like... I would like, to, well, maybe. It depends. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about Kanye West. Oh fuck! Just for a minute, um, if I may, I would Doug. like to talk about Kanye West. The because... last time I saw Kanye, there was a picture on Twitter of him swinging his kid trying to break a pinata. So, okay, what are we doing? Well, um, for those of you who can't get enough of your Kanye, um, <laughs> his three-part documentary premiered at Sun at the Sundance Film Festival this oh, week. No. Um, it is. 280 minutes long it's separated out into three parts the parts are called oh i I fucking love this the disappointment on marcus's face the (laughs) they are split into three parts vision purpose and awakening are the three parts and essentially um they follow him so directed by chike oza um, and longtime mm. Kanye West chronicler Clarence Cootie Simmons essentially follow him around from the start of his career to the end of his career. Now, Kanye West is not really anything to report on until you actually he starts acting a fool like you kind of expected him to do. Oh, and the reason why I think that this is newsworthy is because usually when documentaries are done, particularly about musicians or prominent folks, they're either not involved in all. Because they are dead and they've moved on. Or is he reading a children's book? There's a... (laughs) Okay, Marcus has started to read a (laughs) Justice League children's story um, while I talk about Kanye Doug, I'm still here. Okay. Anyway, um, so he... He's so he's usually involved. They're usually not involved because they're dead or they don't want to be. Or they're very involved, like a producer. And... This is a circumstance where Kanye is involved because people have followed him, but also he's trying to influence the final take of the film. Of course, by, like actively talking to the director and the producers. Um, he's even gone so far as take to social media to demand a final cut of the film before he allows it to go out. And essentially the two like making it are like, no. Like we oh. don't, we don't want this to be a thing at all. He's also made like requests about like, um, I don't want you to shoot this part too soon because I have an album coming. So it's just, this is going to be a very curious oh. documentary. Um, and to kind of go back to our point talking earlier about streaming numbers, yep. this is going to be a Netflix exclusive. So, um, that book is so fitting. Um, Marcus so, is reading ego is the enemy. Um, so this is, so I'm very curious to just I really wanted to talk about it because one, it's premiering at Sundance, which I think is very, very close, very, very I, interesting. I mean, yeah, um, but it's kind of I'm kind of curious to see where this all shakes out. Um, I only talk about it because he's trying to involve himself so much. So not really much else to report there, but we are going to get a uh, a Kanye West documentary. 
The documentary, I've been saving this for a while. The co- the documentary is Wait. called Gene Yus, J-E-E-N dash Y-U-S. Um, and it is set to debut on Netflix on, I believe, in February, maybe, is when it's supposed to come out that way. Um, huh. But that's what I got. So, gentlemen, any thoughts on a Kanye West documentary where he can't not be involved? <sighs> Marcus, anything? Anything that you'd like to? Anything you'd like to contribute? I mean, are are to we this surprised? I, oh, I, that's no. what I was gonna say. Like this no. is super on brand. Like, no. I mean, I, I feel like everything with Julia Fox. I'm not gonna say the stuff with his between in his marriage. I'll leave that out. That, yep. That's like personal, right? But everything with Julia Fox and all of, Kanye does this thing where, and I'm frustrated because I really do love. Kanye and I yeah. do think he's a genius, but he yeah. does idiotic shit. Yeah, a hundred percent. And two things can exist at once. But I yes. also believe that sometimes he's so strategic that he knows what he's doing. So to me, oh. all of this Julia Fox shit and all of this in the news and writing a diss track, how you want to beat up Pete Davidson in a song <laughs> and all this other bullshit, like. <laughs> is it for the documentary? And then after it's over, you disappear and go right. back to the hole again? Yeah. And I don't like, know. What were you expecting with this? Did you only tweet that you want to be involved in the doc to get more publicity and more awareness to it? So more people watch it when it comes to, like what's real and what's like, what's reality and what's reality TV. And that's a great question. And I think that's a great point to ask because it's not just like, Oh, I'm not involved. Like it is, They've it's dramatic. It's gone to the extreme. It's they've locked me out of the of the of the edit room. Like and essentially, you know, if you go to Instagram, you can look it up. He says, I demand you unlock it and let me in there. So that way I can look at it before it goes out. And uh, like compliments to the people making it. They're like, no, like we don't want you to do that at all. And you do have a right to want to see at least see for sure what's being said. But if you're micromanaging and being hands on because you want a certain image to be put out about you, that's when you start fucking up. That's true. And and I just I'm I'm over it. Yeah, I'm over it. Like you can be as genius as you want to be, but once you start doing the extra shit, I don't give a fuck how genius you are. At some point, I get annoyed, and I'm just annoyed with it. I'm not. Well, I won't. I don't think I'll be watching this as much as a fan of hip hop and Kanye, early Kanye, like that. I am. I want to watch this, but I feel like I'm feeding into the foolery if I do watch it. That's a very fair point. I will probably watch it for the first part, but I don't anticipate watching the second half of part two or part three. Just because I feel like that that's really where it's dialed up. And I and, and for me, I'm more curious in how really artistic geniuses, which I would certainly put him in this category. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious as to where the spark of genius hit them and how I, I, I appreciate the grind story. Like I appreciate the like, you know, they even talk about it in here that like they followed him around as he essentially stormed. Um, I think it was Def Jam Records, and he essentially went office to office to office playing his mixtape until somebody said yes. <laughs> now nobody said yes, but a genius grinds like that and isn't awesome. discouraged by it. Yeah, yeah, they're not discouraged by that at all. And I think that that's in his into his credit and impressive. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious to see how this story plays out in the long run. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's I, that's my first piece. I think I think what's really hard for me is that I do feel like Kanye 
is a talented artist. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I genuinely feel that. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, though, that it, he's an artist to the point where it's like, I don't know if this is all a performance or not. Like, you know, is it oh, going to yeah. come out in like six months where he's like, yeah, I was doing all that stuff. So you check out the documentary or like I was doing all this stuff because like I feel like the documentary. Yeah. Is a piece of art that is about me and I'm the art, you know, like what? I, like it's right. so it's like right. I have no idea what to believe. Like if, if he is actually mm-hmm. upset about it, I have no clue. And that's part of the reason why I've like tuned out of some kanye stuff because i'm just like i don't know what is even real yeah. anymore with you no, man me neither yeah nor do i really want to know <laughs> yeah. i feel like i'm not missing out on anything like no. yes i'm with you doug i would i want to see and i might watch it to see that perspective of you know mm-hmm. maybe the shift and the change and maybe there's some things in here that kind of explain where his head is at sometimes but and yes. i know he's human which you know you got to give people grace but yeah you know, that's just me. I'm, I, I hit a point where I can't be a part of it no more. No, that's a hundred percent. I completely agree. Um, so yeah, that was my first piece. Marcus, again, a hard left back onto the movie highway. All right. with some James Bond news. What do you have, sir? All right. So, uh, so they're on, you, you know, surprisingly <laughs> enough, there was a lot of love for, this person to be considered as James Bond. Yes. Um, and it's Idris Elba. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. Idris Elba is feeling the love. And this is from comicbook.com. Um, Idris Elba is feeling the love from James Bond's fans. Um, a report surfaced that he is in the pool of characters, um, I mean, of actors to be considered for the role of 007. As he um, should. As, as he, he should be. be. And his name came up years ago um, during this Daniel Craig run. Um, yeah. There was a lot of hullabaloo about it. But then after... This last was in No Time to Die. Yep. Uh, you know, that was the end of Daniel Craig. They kind of established some things more so of 007 is a agent number and not right. a person. Um, and I feel like that kind of put people in more of a better place to accept sure. new faces. Yeah. Um, me personally. But the producers were basically like, um, well, we know Idris. We're friends with him. And he's a magnificent actor. Um, and the producer, I'm trying to find his name. Oh, producer Barbara. Broccoli. Um, yes. Said he's a magnificent actor. The producers recently said, you know, he's it's been part of the conversation, but it's always difficult to have the conversation when you have someone in the seat. So basically what they were saying in the article is they want to let Daniel Craig have his moment in the sun with no time to die, finish it out. And they're now planning and processing what to do next when it comes to James Bond and what's the story you want to tell. But they didn't want to do that while Daniel Craig was still in the role because it it just takes away from um, what he had going on. So um, I like Idris in the role. There were I read a lot of the comments on ComicBook.com. Oh no! Okay. Surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of racist comments. That, okay, um, well, which that's is good. Almost, you know, fascinating. Fun. Okay, yay! Um, that's good. <laughs> but there that's, are more. I'm Idris glad. is too old to play James Bond, and that they feel like they already got a mature James Bond with Daniel Craig, and some want to go the younger route in a Bond as opposed to going a sophisticated... They just feel like Idris is too sophisticated and mature. And we've already gotten that out of this. I could see that. Yeah, I could see Uh, it, too. I I mean... I don't know. He's definitely here. Here's the other thing that I'll say, and I don't... Age is but a number, Mm. but I will say that Idris Elba is... 49 years old currently almost 50 and so that would be an older bond 
um, than I think we've seen before. Um, Daniel Craig was 35 when he, uh, no, excuse me, 38 um, when he was in Casino Royale. Now, again, age is just a number. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But I think that if I'm, what, MGM um, or Amazon, because I think they own the rights now to to James Bond. They sure do. The shipping service has a super super spy. Um, (laughs) I I think Jeff Bezos, you evil villain. (laughs) He did did that for a reason, because he He looks like the guy in Dr. No. Um, so (laughs) so, So I think what's interesting about this is that if I'm the producers, I almost want to go a little bit younger, not so I can have it longer, but I just think that there's a much like bigger audience there maybe, and a lot more potential for something that could be relatable and a little bit more connectable to a younger generation. I love Idris Elba. I think he's great. I have, I mean, in, um, in that Western, that Netflix Western, he was really, really great. Um, yeah. so I'm just kind of curious uh, to see harder they fall. I've watched harder it they fall. three times. Yeah. He's amazing I, in that. So yeah. I think he could bring it, but just my thought. I mean, it works for me. Roger Moore for, for Pete's sake, like that dude was like 70 in a James Bond movie. Yeah. Could barely move. Yeah. Like somebody's grandpa. I think it was fair. I don't know. I think it was a view to a kill. I can't remember, but like, I remember as a kid and I'm like, this guy, this guy (laughs) looks like guy. Someone older than my dad trying to like be like, oh, I'm, I'm I can I can play hard. I don't even know what that accent yeah. was. It's but like it's when like... your it's like when your dad says in the backyard, like you and your friends are playing tackle football. He's like, me too, guys, and then he yep. breaks his legs. Yep. And you're like, oh, dad, that should not have happened. And like, I want to point out, it was a fine movie. It was fine. Like, That's true. It was James Bond, and he was fine. And I really do think that Idris Elba is somebody. Uh, he's an incredibly accomplished actor. That's true. I think it makes a ton of sense. He can bring gravitas to the role. You know, he's going to have fun with it. I also feel like he has, he has built up such like an amazing track record of good performances that it it just, to me, it seems like a no brainer in in a direction that you would want to go. Maybe you don't want to sign a franchise option, which I think that would make complete sense. But maybe you do, maybe you do one, maybe you do a trilogy, I I feel like there's a lot of room there. There's a lot of room there to get it right, I guess, is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I, I know that that's where I'm at. I think Idris Elba would be perfect. Yeah. I uh, mean, if, if, if you not go ahead. this black British actor, <laughs> please find another. Because is Idris the last the last option to get a black James Bond? Because if it's not Idris the bust, like is there That's another true. option or now I feel like I'd hate to be one to say this, but if there is no other option, let's go ahead and get Idris out of the way. I'll take a one James Bond movie, like a, you know, yeah. alternate universe type. Of, I don't know what it would look like, but well, a small I, series run. I mean, I also feel like we don't, we're such in like the mindset of like serializing everything, which is fine. I love a good serialization, but like, and and multiverses and universes. Right. But like, I would totally be open to a direction of just like, no, this is like our one off. Like, if if all parties are good with it, like, this is our one off. Like, and then we're going to move on to a different actor, a different story, a different Mm -hmm. vibe. And I feel like that could play really well because Bond is like, star wars a little bit in my mind where it's like play with the genre a little bit like Mm -hmm. we have like 20 movies of these Mm -hmm. mix it up and 
and see what comes out. That, yeah. That's where I'm it's at. Cool. I know there's going like to be that, some, bro. I mean, I appreciate it. I know there's going to be some people who are like, I'm a purist and it needs to check all these boxes. And that's, that's the way a James Bond movie has to be, which is yeah. fine. If that's who you are, I just want to see like a, a, someone else's spin on it within a different format. I think that could be really refreshing. Also, I will say this. Um, I should learn when to shut the fuck up because he was also just in the Suicide Squad. And <laughs> I mean, he was basically like 47, 48 when that came out. I mean, out. like so he was doing it. it. Maybe Dutch <laughs> should just shut the fuck up when it <laughs> comes to talking about people's age because obviously he can <laughs> kick ass in that at age closer to 50. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's He's closer to 50 when he played um, Bloodsport in The Suicide Squad, and arguably yeah. he was one of my favorite parts of that movie. So yeah. When it comes to movies, you never really know how old people are. You have 30-year-olds playing teenagers back in the 90s, and it's true. Like, all right. I mean, like, look I mean, at euphoria. I mean, like, they got a bunch true. of mid-20-somethings <laughs> being like, I'm in high school. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're yeah, not. Not. No, Zendaya, you have a whole relationship in the Spider-Man franchise. You are a whole-ass <laughs> person. No, you are not in high school. Um, no, good discussion. I, yeah, that, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that comes out. Um, anyway, Brian, Jensen Eccles, and yeah. some things related to Jensen Hello. Eccles. What Hello, do you got? everybody. So, I'm saying his last name. Jensen Eccles, you're good. Eccles. Jensen Eccles. Ooh, I thought yeah. you were nice. I thought you were oh, Brian's last name. Brian <laughs> <laughs> so uh jensen eccles was on the podcast inside of you there's that oh, don't do that to people they thought he was on this podcast now now they're gonna go back <laughs> looking for him <laughs> and they were having a conversation with him and he revealed that he is having his sights set on a secret dc project movie okay. project right now he doesn't want to talk about it because he feels, he feels confident it's going to move forward but he doesn't want to jinx it. Uh, jinx his direct it. Okay. quote is, well, there is a DC property that's currently developing with Warner Brothers and some other good partners that I've got my fingers crossed for. But again, I'm not going to talk about it because you don't want to jinx it. So I am curious as to be what this, I think it's going to be a character we haven't seen before. I don't think mm -hmm. it's a reboot of anybody. And I think it's probably going to be a, a, a newer character on a newer franchise. So of course, you can play the speculation game here. It can be anything. I would love to see Jensen Eccles, though, in a superhero franchise. Oh, yeah. Ever, ever since I learned that he was the first selection for Hawkeye in the Avengers and the Ooh. MCU, I've never been able to get it out of my head. And I, I think about it Ooh. every time I watch like Jeremy Renner, I'm like, we could have had Jensen Eccles like every single time. Yeah. So I'm He'll excited to no, see no fury like Brian Scorn. That's I mean, very like, true. Jeremy Renner is is fine, but we could have had Jensen Eccles. That's all I'm saying. And that's uh, true. So here we are. I have no idea who he would play. It could be anybody, it could be someone super obscure. Yeah, but either. any ideas, folks? You got you got any ideas? You know. I'm thinking obscure and somebody who's my first thing is he really has always wanted to do a Batman. And for those that know, Jason Eccles voiced Batman in the, um, the Batman animated series. What, oh. is, what is that? They the did long Halloween, the long Halloween. Thank you. Oh my God, he did? Yes, he did. I he did, did not know that. Batman in that. Um, 
And he's always wanted huh. to do a Batman or a Red Hood. He dressed up as Red Hood on Halloween. He's always wanted to do something Batman-ish. Oh, so okay. I feel like I wish hmm. it was a Batman character. You know the first character that came to mind, though? Booster Gold. Oh my and gosh. I don't know I would why, absolutely be down for that. But I feel like he would do a really good Booster Gold. Yeah, he would. Okay. Okay. You know, I hope it's you... not Our Man because we haven't heard <laughs> shit about Our Man. And I feel like that that's the one. And I'm going to be pissed. Oh my gosh. Our man. I remember seeing a TikTok video about that. And people were like, that's not his powers. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, who Picture. cares about Our Man? Picture this shit. You're Jed Snackles. You're like, man, I want to be at a DC property. And they call. They're like, we got it. But before we tell you what it is, you got to sign. He's like, oh, fuck it, man. I'm going to sign. And he wakes, he gets that script in the mail and it says, you know, mm-hmm. our man or as the mm-hmm. seconds tick by an hour man origin story. Like, oh, God. I just, oh, no. oh I, God, that makes me mad. Uh, wow. He'd be so pissed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. As the, sec- as the seconds tick by, that's fine. Oof. Oh WB could hire me if they want. No, don't. I don't want to do that. Um, I, mean, I would love to see him as Red Hood. I, Marcus, I can't get cool. that image out of my head now. I think he's, that he'd be. So, if you Google it, his cosplay was really good. Um, if you Google uh, what he was, I feel like he's a little bit older though. So you would need a rugged bat. Now, if you're going Michael Keaton's Batman, <laughs> maybe that kind of times and aligns with. But DCU ain't doing connected universes anymore. So fuck. <laughs> Do what you want. Just throw the shit at the wall. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who gives? A I fuck? mean, he could also play a Joker if he wanted to. Like, I there's a lot of that. things he could do. But I don't. I, I don't want to see that. No, absolutely not. Matter of fact, I don't want to see another Joker movie for a while now. Oh, well, that's disappointing. Actually, oh, I mean, if I'm, yeah, I'm Batman. If if a joke, if the rumor is true that I heard about Joker, what's that? They, they did two screen showings of yes. the Batman movie. Yeah. One that included a version of the Joker, which was, um, what's his name from Eternals? Yep, I know you're talking about. On people's minds, he would be playing the Joker, a secret character. Who who from Eternals? Uh, the uh, the guy who goes Dr- to like Dr- Colombia and lives by himself, Druig. Druig. Oh, Druig what? playing the Joker. Yeah, and they did two screen versions, one with him and one without him, and both yeah. were hits. Yeah. So. Are we going to get a four-hour Batman movie? Not it's four, already I three hours. <laughs> three, though. You're getting three. <clears throat> um, and I'm glad you guys brought this up, because this is actually my next piece of news. And oh, I'm, look I'm, at this transition, this baby. Is, it's like I planted you. Um, I, I, I should stop saying that, because I say that when someone brings something up and it's an easy transition. I'm like, oh, it's like I planted you, like I'm a fucking magician or that something. That sounds disgusting. Or a gardener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay before we get the sillies and go off the rails um gentlemen so i think that this is interesting so robert pattinson did an interview with the french magazine premiere and in it he was asked asked about batman's rule which means he doesn't kill so that's yes I, i'm struggling today um he was asked about his rule about how he doesn't kill and what i what I think is interesting and what I'm curious of you all about this um, is he gave this response. He said, quote, there is this rule with Batman. He must not kill. It can be interpreted two ways. Either he only wants to inflict the appropriate punishment or he wants to kill and his self-control prevents him from doing so. 
And I am curious about y'all's thoughts about that interpretation of that rule because I had never considered either of those as the reason why Batman doesn't kill. My understanding was always criminals kill. He's not a criminal. He has to be better than them or otherwise his symbol means nothing. And so that's the way always I interpreted it. But I'm very curious about y'all's thoughts on one is quote and two. What do you think this means for the Batman that we're going to end up getting in a now two hour and 53 ver movie version minute version of Matt Reeves Batman? Uh, OK, here's here's where I'm at with it. First of all, I feel like that is just a rich white man's privilege to have that thought of, you know what? I could kill you. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And then just being like, but I won't though. But you know, I could though, if I really wanted to. Right? Yeah. And, get and, away and, with I, it. and I want to, but I'm not going to, but I want, you know what I mean? But I don't think that you're the other thing. I don't think that that's an interpretation. I think that that was kind of explained in the Batman that we knew growing up, growing up. Okay. Like, as, grew up i feel like that was explained somewhere down the line like no we draw a line because we're not like them yes we do it this way or my parents were killed i'm just gonna beat the shit out of them but i'm gonna let them live um but what we also know is matt reeves and robert pattinson already said that partial inspiration for this batman or bruce wayne is kurt cobain it's oh like my, it's i'm like, sorry it's like what the i'm pretty sure <laughs> Somebody mentioned something. One of the I'll, artists. I'll look it up. I'll like, look it up. There was a Kurt Cobain kind of feel to his Bruce Wayne or Batman, and okay. I watched that two minute clip that they put out. This okay. motherfucker's dark. Yeah, that Bruce. Yep. Bruce does not look like billionaire playboy. I got all the honeys around me. He looks like he was about to shoot that bitch up himself. Yeah, Pattinson describes it as a like a dark and sleazy and grimy Batman. <laughs> Yes. By the way, Marcus, you're a hundred percent on the money. This was in an interview in December from Empire Online, and Matt Reeves legit said, "Yeah, when I write, I listen to music, and I put on Nirvana, something in the way, and then that led to this interpretation of Batman, which is basically so this Batman's fucking nuts. I mean, yeah, he's nuts. Also, I want to follow up with another no quote from this article. To Kurt Cobain and his family. No, but... Rest in peace. Rest in peace, to Kurt yes. Cobain." Um, I want to read this quote. So this is a follow up to that quote about like his interpretation of his rule. And he goes, quote, I imagined it that way from rehearsal of the first fight. I thought it was funnier. Something in him just wanted to slit the guy's throat. I told myself that if he spends his nights chasing criminals, it's impossible that he doesn't not take pleasure in it. And then he goes on and then he says, I'm sure in this first fight, he manages to convince himself that every guy in front of him is the one who killed his mother. And so that allows him to vent all his rage. Oh, that's my. Good. I'm not going to lie. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Good. Now, there was some bullshit. There was some type of bullshit poll done that said Christian Bale was the best Batman was everybody's favorite Batman. I felt like that was a crock of bull. Like I like the Nolan run, but when you've had Batfleck after them, and and you had Keaton, even Adam West, I feel like like he's got to be at least four. But okay. whatever. Can you tell me then where you would rank your Batman? Okay. So oh, far, no. or including what I think about how Pattinson's Batman's of gonna be. what we have seen to date. So you can't include <clears throat> okay. this one. Are we going back as far as Adam West? Yes. Okay. 
Adam West and is non and non cartoon versions, live action versions only. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. I knew that. Cool. Did. Here we go. My number. I would go. Michael Keaton is second. Okay. Val Kilmer okay. is six. Okay. Adam West. Oh no. George Clooney is is last. Uh, okay, I was wondering. <laughs> George Clooney's last. Val Kilmer is one up from that. Um, okay, five. Then I would go Adam West at four. Four. Batfleck. Christian Bale. Oh. No, I'm missing that's a Batman. Ain't I? Uh. Uh-uh. That's all. I feel like I would. Oh, did I say Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton is one. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Michael Michael Keaton's one. Um, Bale might be a second, and I, only because Batfleck didn't really get his full run. So, I, but I, I like grungy Batfleck. I knew that there was going to be an asterisk when I asked this question. What else am I, I knew he, to do? I knew he was going to go. You know, if, have you uh, seen the Snyder Cut? That is the best depiction <laughs> of Bruce Wayne and Batman that there we is. We need, we need like a button anytime the Snyder Cut comes up because it comes I up. Have, you know, season three, season three, season, season three might have to have a rule where Marcus just gets put on mute when he brings up the Snyder Cut. Like he might just like. No, it might since the beginning of this podcast since not this episode but the beginning of this fucking whole thing the thought this whole thing started because we were talking about goddamn uh, Zack Snyder in, in the Marvel Universe do you remember that conversation I mean I do but it's just it's a long time. We almost had a hundred episodes. Where do y'all man? rank Batman? About me. Where do y'all rank your Batman? Okay, God this damn. is where, this is where I put Batman. This is a gang up. This is two white men jumping. No, I'm just gonna let you jump like that. All I said okay. was that we just put a timer. That's <laughs> that's all I said. Um, I think that I agree with you. I think Keaton's first. I think Christian Bale for me is second. Um, Batfleck was good. I he was okay. I think I just I appreciated. I appreciated all that Christian Bale brought to it. Um, and then I'd probably put, I'd probably, I'd probably have it the same as you, to be honest. I think, you know, Adam, there is something to be said though. Like I feel bad putting Adam West where he is just because of how he was such a trailblazer. I mean, he did a lot of seasons of that show and he, he has did. been seen as a pioneer for that character and, and what it could bring. I think though, I have always seen my Batman as a little bit darker, which is why I think I appreciate those like the top, the top three for where they are. Yeah. yeah. And I will no, say this to Batflex's credit that like CrossFit training montage that he's doing in the garage is like fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. And every time I see it, I mean, the dude was jacked like in order to be able to pull off what he did. Yeah. So and Christian Bell is good. I always feel like I go straight to the bad shit like with these X-Men movies too. But like <laughs> Christian Bell is great. I yes. love the Nolan run. Um and Dark Knight, I've watched that shit a million times. Um oh, yeah. I'm just I got more excited when we got a Batman that existed in non-realistic yeah. world. Yeah. And that's the part that holds me back the most. That's fair. Totally fair. I- I, I think we talked about this way back when. Yeah, like, we did. And it, mine has definitely changed. I liked like the Ben Affleck Batman the most, like I'd say about a year or two ago. And I don't know if that's like a direct 
rebellion against like the Nolan movies and what could come of sure. Ben Affleck and Batman. I feel like I've kind of cooled on it a little bit. I think mm. I think fair. what's hard is that in the Christian Bale movies, it's just him and it is yeah. just his performance. And I think that's really good. I just really like what Ben Affleck did in a group dynamic as Batman. And I mm -hmm. feel like he did a lot of things to not make it grittier, but just more lived in. Like, sure. if that makes any sense, like the Christian mm -hmm. Bale ones just at times seem so detached yeah, from like, the true. personal life, which I know is the intent of the filmmaker. Like, I know that's what they were trying oh, to do. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just a style thing. That's a great point. But though. I'm pretty much in line with where, where y'all are at. I mean, like most of the Batmans, uh, like it's fine. It gets the job done. The only ones where it just takes me out is George Clooney. And I enjoy George Clooney. Love, he was just more George Clooney. I feel like, like that wasn't there. his fault. Well, <laughs> kind of, but like he was miscast. Like if anyone oh, yeah. doing Batman is like, yeah, George Clooney, this is the guy. Like nobody in that room was like, really? Yeah. Like, really? I think really? at the time they were at the time they were casting Batman. They were more like, heartthrob because when michael keaton got mm. casted he was a heartthrob oh yeah time. well and, and george so, clooney was just coming off of er like exactly. oh yeah and yeah so, and so was and val kilmer was hot at the time too and what's interesting why i put michael yeah. keaton so high is because he was supposed to be in that val kilmer batman but that oh. he said it was too bright that was like mm -hmm. he liked the tone that um Tim Burton had was, Batman was, Forever was too bright for him. If you look at it, when they do the Riddler and they do two yeah. faces, a lot of light, a lot of like really bright set bright. pieces. It's cartoony. Almost. I mean, there's so a scene where Robin goes me. motorcycling through a literally yes. neon tunnel. Like yes. it is insane. Also, <sighs> if you remember yeah. George Clooney, is he, he also got cast. Yeah, Coolio was in there um, for a hot second. Yeah. Um, uh, Bane couldn't say anything other than his own name in some weird fucked up version of a Pokemon. Ooh. Like he just, all he could do was growl. Um, well, the thing is, I love Uma Thurman as yeah. Poison Ivy, oh my gosh, but Bane yeah. was just did not belong yeah. there. Well, and, then, and then you got Arnold Schwarzenegger just walking around like a big ass. Not, guys. I could go not, down the rabbit hole. Not to deviate too much from your 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 article, Doug, because I I will say this after my my point here is that like. I feel like you can have these bright elements to a Batman story and the story can still be dark. Now it was not a Tim Burton film. Batman no. forever was not a Tim Burton. No, it was film. a Joel Schumacher film. I still appreciate though, how it was trying to bring in some of those comic book roots. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I liked the neon that worked for me. I liked how bright the Riddler was like Jim Carrey, <laughs> like, like with Jim Carrey and everything like mm -hmm. that. I, I enjoyed that for what it was, but I understand it came off just like a little bit more goofy. I get mm -hmm. it, but I don't think it necessarily has to like be dirty, dingy to be Batman. But in any case, to your point though, Doug, to to try to get this train back on the tracks here. That's what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to, Oh no, there it is. They put up a picture of Arnold But to your point though, I do feel like, like, I feel like a lot of people don't know or forget that, like, Batman killed people, like, in oh. the 40s and 50s. Like, oh, yeah, he most straight definitely. up murked He people. had a gun. That motherfucker He was packing a pistol. He had a bat pistol on <laughs> his gun. suit, just killing people. Like, uh -huh. and so I feel like that can be explored because the way that Batman turned into this rule, like, it was just, mm -hmm. it... 
it made it really easy for it to be more digestible to kids. And like mm-hmm. I'm included in this, the Batman, the animated series is where a lot of kids got exposed to Batman at first. And that's just definitely dark. It oh, got yeah. dark. So, and that it's, it's one of the greatest animated shows because it weaves this thing of like, this is dark, but it's mm-hmm. for children. Um, <laughs> so I just, I feel like it's okay. If Pattinson's like, yeah, it's the appropriate punishment. If he's got to kill a guy, he's got to kill a guy. Also, I feel like Pattinson is giving off these like deranged vibes and I and I'm absolutely here for it. I'm 100 like, percent here for he's it. He's giving off these like man in a tower vibes, like, yeah. like a man in a water tower vibes of like he's had these thoughts since uh Twilight and he wanted um, to do that shit with uh Edward, but he yeah, couldn't. yeah. No, yeah. he couldn't. He was like he said, You want to see a Batman? I got a Batman for your ass. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he was going to the director of Twilight. Like, what if I just ripped her throat out? Like, you remember I when do she that? said she wanted to fuck Edward, oh, and that's how God. she wrote the character? Yeah, oh, remember? Y'all, we have one more topic to get through. Let's just make it. Can <laughs> we get I there? I just wanted to awkward. Let's take this ball that is what? episode three of season three <laughs> to the finish line. Let's just get it there. Let's do it. Let's drive it home. Okay. that they want to have sex with? Marcus, let's talk about Peacemaker. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just want to talk about the real shit, y'all. I know you want to talk about the real shit, but there's a lot of real shit in Peacemaker. Because it is a lot of real um, shit. This man is straight up. This show is single-handedly tackling racism. Like what? It's just like I have um, not watched a single episode. Are you serious? Right. Are we going to spoil this for you? I don't want to spoil I it. Yeah. I mean, there's only four episodes out. I'm not. I'm not yeah. worried about it. Okay. Well, Brian. Well, we're spoiler probably, alert. Anyway, spoil, yeah. Spoiler alert. Anyway. This show's tackling racism. Marcus, take it away. So, um, Peacemaker. So this month, Peacemaker debuted on HBO Max. Um, for those that don't know, this is the same Peacemaker is the same character. This is directed and written by James Gunn. Which, funny enough, uh, John Cena also has an executive producer credit on this show as well. Oh yeah. Um, and, but this is the same character that was from The Suicide Squad. I got to make sure I get it right. Yep. That was directed by James Gunn that was released on HBO Max and in theaters. So it follows up that where that movie left off. Um, Peacemaker is up on Rotten Tomatoes with a 94% critic score. Um, it is now officially the highest reviewed project in the entire DCEU. Oh I'll give you a quick rundown of um, what it looks like compared to everything else. So Forbes shared a list of DCEU projects and their Rotten Tomato critic scores. Um, Peacemaker beat out Wonder Woman by only 1%. So Peacemaker was 94%. Wonder Woman was 93%. The Suicide Squad was 90%. Shazam was 90%. Birds of Prey was 79%. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League was 71%. Aquaman was 65, Wonder Woman 1984 was 58%, Man of Steel was 56, and Josh Whedon fuck him was 40. Um <clears throat> so Oof. it you know Peacemaker is now the highest thing ever and I just think that it's it's really amazing when you look at the show it's about this hero well it's about this he's not even an anti-hero. He's this guy who's willing to do whatever the fuck it takes to to he's kind of a buff- he's kind of like a buffoon to be honest is, with though. you. He is. He is kind of just like a a hyper masculine idiot, but he has, <laughs> but if you know, if you, I think you get that from the posters. Yeah. You get that from the trailers, but when you watch the show, you see that there's a lot of depth to it. Oh, um, and yeah. it's, it's, it's much, it's not yeah. as shallow as I thought it was. Once again, I have to give credit to James Gunn. He yeah. knows how to write and he yeah. knows how to fucking direct. Yeah. And, 
and I also have to give it to John Cena because he is bringing this character to life in a way in which I would never expect. Yes. And I would even say, again, I don't want this man showing up with his bag of weights. I think in terms of like folks who have come out of like WWE and made that transition from wrestling to acting, I would argue that I am more impressed with John Cena's performance in Peacemaker than I have anything The Rock has done in a minute. Wow. You're lying. Wow. That's a bold statement, Doug. Think about the last thing that The Rock did where he showed the depth and emotionality that John Cena did in episode four of the show. Gridiron gang. Okay. That was, I said recently, that was a like five, six years ago. Marcus was ready. (laughs) I mean, he's not, he's not wrong. That is an incredible performance in gridiron gang, but it's also not within the window that I'm talking about. I feel like jungle Cruise had a crying scene in there when he turned the stone in the wall. Oh, Okay, so maybe I'm just a cold-hearted person, but no. I uh, no, 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 no. I was just joking. That's no, no, no. no that's nowhere near the same amount of. Well, here's the thing about Peacemaker. Yeah, for me, and I don't want to discredit how Doug is feeling about it because I feel like that's a close statement. If you yeah. look at the people that came out of wrestling, it's The Rock and it's John Cena. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and at one yeah, time it was also Triple H, but, but that kind of like oh, and Batista. I feel like you oh, have to throw Batista. Batista. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Batista. Yeah, you have to throw Batista in there. I gotta too. walk. So, I gotta walk all of my statements from this episode <laughs> back, like immediately. But, I mean, like, but, <laughs> but it it isn't a lot because a lot of people try it and they don't and they fail. The mm-hmm. thing that makes Peacemaker compelling is John Cena can act like this buffoon, as I think Doug accurately put it. But the it's the story surrounding him that makes right. it great, and the and the supporting cast. Now, this is the, one of the first projects I think. You for me, I see the importance of a supporting cast. Yes. Oh, um, out of bio yeah. as an as a supporting cast. Um, um, uh, Economos, what is it? John Economos, I think is his name. Okay, um, the, the look it up. and and Mern. You have this supporting cast that are pushing this lead to be something great. Um, and the storyline with his father being a racist and killing people and. Um, Peacemaker's best friend willing to go into the prison to try to kill um, his like his racist dad who's surrounded by white supremacists in the jail. Like they yeah. are talking about things directly. He said, Robert dad, Patrick, you work with your dad. So by association, wouldn't that mean that you're a racist? And everybody <laughs> and they didn't just say this once. They said this multiple times. Yeah. Like this yeah. is not a Disney this is not Disney's no. um, Captain America Winter Soldier shit. No. Like, from the outside, what it feels like is, like, someone took the vibes of Captain America and the Winter Soldier and was like, no, we're going to get into this, <laughs> yes. like, for I mean, real, and then made Peacemaker. And then, just for reference, Peacemaker's dad is the villain White Dragon. Yeah. And White Dragon is that's, straight, that's, up, that's... straight up, like... yep. I uh, racist almost feels like being generous. Like <laughs> that doesn't feel right. like it, it covers no. it. Yeah. And so they go into it. You see white dragon suit like several times that it is hanging over peacemakers idea uh, and life upside down flag. Um, yeah. When, he, when he, he's listening to Fox news as they break in, <sighs> as they come into his house, he calls him a pansy, calls him a pussy. He tells him, now, excuse my language. He said, you'll go out there and kill some 
I think he said niggers, chinks, and something else. Like they are hitting yeah, it. They're not missing it. They wow. are not, they are not, they not pulling anything back on this, Brian. I'm telling you. Wow. And then um, and then and the for me as a black man, I was like, okay, this for this to be directed and an executive, I don't know all of the credits and all mm-hmm. of the 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 ethnicities yeah. of everybody involved, but directly to see James Gunn and John Cena. Um, I've always been skeptical about John Cena. I, not that he would be racist, but I, you know, you just kind of never to tell. Once no, again, he going back to that thought of he has these well-intentioned like white ally vibes, and you're like, yes, are yeah. you for real? Like, yes. are you the real deal? And it kind yeah. of feels like it is, from what I'm hearing. Yes, oh, and I was worried because he does a lot of hip hop shit when he was John Cena. Like, you can't see me and the way he, he dressed. Had a whole, he, he had a whole hip hop album. He did. He did oh, which really. I, I he own did. a CD copy of. Wow. Still? Oh, oh, I don't know okay. where it is, but I did at one point. I can't say anything. My first CD I owned was Backstreet Boys. Oh, that, that's we're actually just, that's we're just reviewing good. all we're reviewing all sorts of stuff today. <laughs> I, I, um, what I also think is the show having the audacity to have like the moral compass mm-hmm. be like a black woman and then to yeah. have these themes right along with it. I think you said Daniela Brooks, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like to, to that juxtaposition is just really, really not a black woman, a, 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 a lesbian black woman. Oh yeah. Her Forgot about that part. Black partner. Um, and they show a whole vagina in this, in this thing. Yeah. It's a, okay. it's part of a joke and like a, 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 a moment, but it's yeah. like, for you to see this shit and you're just like, okay, <laughs> this is, in, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like it's almost, yeah. it's so well executed that I'm waiting for them to fuck it up. Oh, uh, I mean, yes. And yes, it, I'm this, so sorry. this looks like it was written and directed by James Gunn. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm shocked. Color me shocked. Yeah. Yeah. But here's yeah. the other thing. The, my, my, possibly my last thing. I don't know how we want to review it, but did, DCEU set themselves up to be able to do shit like this. That's a very good point. Um, you can't go to Disney Plus does not have a rated R no, or a dirty side of their coin. When you like they would have to go to Hulu and do some shit on Hulu in order to get that's that shit true. off. Yeah, that's true. But when you look at this, Disney, I mean, like DCU, they can do oh, you want to do dark and gritty. That we could we did it with Suicide Squad, we did it with the Suicide Squad, we've done dark and gritty this whole time, and we got HBO Max. Absolutely, yep, yeah. we're gonna dive into it, which means you never know where these Batgirl series, these um well blue beetles yeah. go to the movie theaters now, but all of these series and Matt Reeves. I'm surprised Matt Reeves Batman got a PG 13 rating. Yeah, from everything that we've I seen, am so I am surprised. too. So surprised it didn't get an R rated, but you look at Joker and that's an R rating. DC set themselves up to be able to win with this, and and I think that that's a win for them. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think to even like your point, Marcus, if I can just share like a living, breathing like version of that juxtaposition, it's this, it's this image. I mean, you're able to do something like this in a platform like HBO Max, whereas. Like Disney will legitimately have a hard time repeating that with Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Doug is like, showing a a comic, a, a comic yeah. snippet from uh, Moon Knight comic, and it's bloody, gory, and it's disgusting. It's everywhere all at once, and yeah. then it says like, "Oh, that's the direction we're going with what's on Disney Plus," and then you see what's over here on HBO Max, and 
gun to my head, I I appreciate the HBO Max version of it a little bit better because there's a lot of depth and complexity and nuance. Yeah. Because you're watching a son have to reckon with the image, the real image of his own father, all while it's superheroes. Like yeah. it's just it's really, really good. Well, and I feel like I feel like you've touched on something too that I think is really important. I think Disney Plus has has for better or for worse, just planted this flag of like all these franchises you all love, they're all here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's good. But I feel like with Book of Boba Fett, I'm just seeing some challenges where it's like some oh, yeah. people are expecting. Some people are expecting a lot that mm -hmm. I never expected from a Disney Plus series. And maybe we all had that epiphany when Captain America and the Winter Soldier premiered. Yeah, uh, or Falcon, Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier, yeah, however Falcon. you want to phrase that show. And I feel like <laughs> us, we, right? Like, I feel like us, like when that show ended, we were all like, okay, so Disney Plus will basically like go up to the envelope and never push it. Mm -hmm. And no. that's, mm -hmm. I feel like for us doing this podcast, that's where, that's where we're at. And we yep. know that's the expectation. We're never going to see Boba Fett, like cut somebody's head off. We're never going to see that. Oh, no. You know, no. and my point here being, I feel like HBO Max is just so well positioned to be like, yeah, like we got stuff for adults, y'all, uh, y'all adults out there wanting more from like a Disney Plus series. Mm -hmm. Come check out our stuff that will like actually challenge you, which I think is good. Right. And this isn't to say Disney Plus is bad. I enjoy Book of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. but I'm also going to go watch Peacemaker and I'm going to enjoy them both for two different things. So I yeah. just I feel like this is the space that HBO Max can really excel in. I hope they push the gas on it more. Yeah, I think I think their strategy is Disney Plus wants you to see heroes as heroes and HBO Max's strategy is we want you to see heroes as people. But yeah. let us not forget the con conspiracy theorist in my head. Oh, let's All do of it. These companies are working together. Oh, I mean, because yeah. lay it on me, baby. What they know is, and what we often forget, two things can exist at once. That's very true. And and you can like the Disney side of shit while also loving the HBO Max side of shit. That's and also very true. Two streaming services and paying for both. There's uh, a lot of people. What yeah. was that? Netflix had Netflix had Criminal Minds and all of those shows. <laughs> yeah. They're going up to fifteen dollars. A month, like they just yeah. raised their subscription price again for the yeah. second time. For the, for, I mean, it's been every other they year they've the, raised it. They have the balls to do it. I mean, without mm -hmm. any, without flinching that they would lose a lot of subscriptions behind it, and they oh, haven't put no. out any good top tier original content except for maybe Squid Games. I guess is like foreign. Which, that's more, but like, I mean, it, and I that's where I struggle is because like, but then and the other thing with Netflix is they cancel the shit that people like. I mean, Cowboy yeah. Bebop, people yeah. loved. I enjoyed the live action Cowboy Bebop and it's yeah, we tried it. Goodbye. Like or Lost in Space. You you invested all of them. I don't even know if they if Netflix finished doing yeah. the, we're going to drop a movie a week thing that they tried to do. They tried last to. Year. No, they did. They, did they, finish, they did, did they do it all year. They I mean. According to the, re I mean, looking at the release schedule and what's on the platform, they're they're all there. But I, I mean, I, I think this goes back to what we've talked about before, and not to belabor it, but like, there's just so much stuff on Netflix that I'll just got it gets buried, buried, it gets buried yeah. a lot. Yeah, how does it stand out? And I do think this is HBO Max's way of staying. I have to give credit, and I don't want to beat on it too long, but 
Um, I always bash DC for the wrong shit they do, but I kind of I want to give them praise for Peacemaker is a good show so far. I'm four episodes in. I didn't think that I would like it. I had no intention of watching it. When I watched the opening credit, I said, this is going to be about another white superhero that I don't know about. That's the other thing. And that was one of my concerns when it got announced. I was like, really? We need another hyper-violent white guy? But it sounds like they at least they're trying to do something with that, at least. it's, It's like James Gunn knew we would say that. He did the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy was taken too serious until James Gunn kind of gave it a foundation in the movies or at least introduced them. And then people were able to do their own homework on it. Well, and I did also it's going to be a thing. And I did also see in the interview that James Gunn is one in the unique position where he's worked for both companies. And he's definitely indicated that producers are not saying new to stuff notice stuff they're playing the game of yes and and maybe they're putting parameters in it but for the most part they are being very very permissive for uh directors and writers and creators to take this type of creative agency i just think that disney's initial positioning has limited their ability to to do the most behind their back yeah they're they're fighting themselves I think that's very apparent in last yeah. year's slate of shows. I think that's very clear. Oh, 100%. Oh, I did tweet, James Gunn, please write a Superman movie. Just write it. Just, just yeah. Or a Justice yeah. movie, because you can do the team thing, but now I'm saying you can also do... You're very well at group writing. You're yeah. in Scooby-Doo. You've been yeah. great at this fucking <laughs> group writing and highlighting every character yeah. and giving each character depth. Um, I would love to see you write a Superman movie now that Zack Snyder is not coming back like give me a Superman movie or him with his cousin or him you know like the super family even with him and his son um give me something like that I think I'd be satisfied uh or come on this podcast we'd love to talk to you come on (laughs) we'd love to talk to you you know what the fuck going on with T.A. Uh, gentlemen, that does it for our news for this week. So we're going to move into our time to plug. Uh, Brian, what do you have to plug this week? Hey, y'all. Go check out the lovenerds.com. Oh, there's yeah. recipes. There's lifestyle stuff. Go check it out. Lovenerds.com. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Marcus, what do you have to plug, sir? Um, When does this come out? Wednesday. By Wednesday. the time y'all really listen to this, it'll be Friday. Uh, the Noah shop is almost open. Um, I've sent the link out to a few folks. I'm going to send it to my guys here after the pod is over so they can look at the website early. Um, We have a lot of stuff out. The website is going to be very, very dope. Um, So please, uh, once that comes out, stay tuned to our uh, Instagram, underscore, underscore the mantra for all new updates or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Marcus J. Destin for all updates. But above anything else, follow the mantra, never offend it, always humble and Stay tuned for that 100th episode of the podcast. I'm so, so I cannot explain. I'm so excited. Words. I, why am I about to cry? I am so, <laughs> I love this podcast and I love these guys so much. This is so much fun. It puts a lot of work into this. Brian dedicates a lot of time and puts a lot of research and dedication into this. And, you know, I'm just happy to be here and just happy to be able to have a platform like this where we get to have fun. And it's like, damn, people be listening to that. That's, That's true. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, love it. you guys yeah. took it right out of my mouth. This podcast is what I wanted to plug, particularly the fact that 
we have done something that not all podcasts do and we've made it to 100 episodes some folks don't make it a year and this is a huge benchmark and a huge milestone for us so we're very excited um we have some very we have some big things planned um for that 100th episode so stay tuned to all the places that you get us at facebook um at films of black and white instagram at films of black and white but also head over to our tiktok at films in black and white yes. cross that cross that thousand my th- thousand follower threshold as we were recording so oh, hey! you, yeah! could ex- you could expect some you could expect some now you get to interact with my depravity uh, <laughs> uh, uh via live which that's gonna be <laughs> fun Doug's gonna go live and oh, tell you all the great things i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you some good shit via going live um but i'm excited so thank you all for the love and support i couldn't have done it without y'all i love this group. we're gonna talk about ricky the rat oh uh, <laughs> i'll talk about ricky the rat on that live stream so um but yeah um but gentlemen we have a three-step process to success and mm-hmm. brian what is our first step hey y'all i already talked about it and you know you know what i'm gonna say i'm not gonna That's i'm true. not gonna try to butter this up read a book maybe Please. you made a new year's resolution maybe you didn't but read a book Please, yeah. I'm begging you. You and you know who I'm talking to. If you already read books, you're like, hey, you don't have to get upset with me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about that person who's like, oh, I don't like reading. No, read a book. Read a book. Um, and also if you need recommendations on what to read, message us on Instagram, message us on Facebook, shoot us a DM on Twitter. Like Tweet we'll us. give you a book, we'll give you a book to read. I got so I was just thinking about it. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna pull off the shelf. I got a wide variety of everything. Yeah, yeah. So read a book. Marcus, what is our second key to success? Our second key to success is drink some water. Listen, if you are living up north, it is cold. And I know you like water. I don't want water. I want cocoa. Um, That's not always the Drink cocoa this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) As Doug looked at me like, what the fuck? I I did. No, we had snow. We had cocoa. See what I'm saying? It makes sense true. So like drink some water. I bought a new jug. Um, you know, it's 64 ounces. So I know I need to drink two of those to get my gallon in, um, for the day. Uh, you know, it helps with working out, helps with sweating, helps clear those pores out y'all. You know what I mean? So the weight of your body in ounces daily. Sure. Yep. There you go. Um, let's be a CrossFit thing. No, that's, that's just a, a nutrition thing. But anyway, Wait, there's a new feature on here. I want to try it while you... Uh, okay. Oh, boy. Oh, Lord. Okay, I'm going to give everybody our third key to success. And that key is... Look, folks, it is it is a it is an interesting time that we live in. There are some of you who are going out into the world, and some of y'all are staying at home. But you need to really make up your mind that if you're going to go out into the world, maybe you need to wash your ass. Maybe you need to get up in it and scrub it. And you know there's no better way to scrub it than with Irish Spring Soap. This feels like a commercial. So yeah, anyway, this music's got to give off a commercial man's vibe. Use Manscaped yeah, 3.0. Yeah, yeah, wash wash all of it. Get up in it, scrub it, hose it down, wipe it off, and then clean it again. It Just wash your ass. That's what you got to do. Um, that has been our show this week. We will be back next week with a viewer, uh, a Patreon-recommended uh, video uh, movie to watch. Um, but in the meantime and in the between time, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch y'all next week. God, this goddamn music. <laughs> they tried it and I was like, what the fuck?